Have you ever wondered how successful architecture, engineering, and construction companies scale their business? Or have you ever wanted guidance on how to get more growth, wealth, and freedom from your AEC company? Well, then you're in luck. Hi, I'm Will Forat. And I'm Justin Nagel, and we're your podcast hosts. We interview successful AEC business leaders to learn how they use people, process, and technology to scale their businesses. So sit back and get ready to learn from the industry's best. This is Building Scale. Hey listeners, it's Will here. Our mission is to help the AEC industry protect itself by making technology easy. If you've ever listened to our show, then you know that the three pillars of scaling a business are people, process, and technology. So if you suspect technology is your weak link, then book a call with us to see where we can help maximize your company's IT and cybersecurity strategy. Just go to buildingscale.net slash help. Today, we're thrilled to welcome Sean Harris, a distinguished entrepreneur and a pillar in the construction industry, particularly within the Chicagoland area. Sean is the founder of Livewire Electrical Systems, a Black-owned union contractor located south of Chicago, specializing in commercial and industrial electrical installations. His commendable efforts earned him the Small Business of the Year Award in 2012 from the South Suburban Small Business Association. Additionally, he's a loyal community member, mentoring, inspiring minority contractors through the nonprofit organization Black Contractors, Owners, and Executives, also known as BICO, uh, and with his 17 years in business and 75 plus full-time employees, John is enthusiastic about continuous growth and his business uh, with endless possibilities that lie ahead. With all that said, Sean, welcome, welcome to, to the, the show. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate uh, you guys bringing me on. Uh, you know, you guys are... Uh, always at the uh, happening events. So uh, when you approached me, I was happy to be a part of uh, what you guys are doing here and what you're talking about. Awesome. Uh, yeah, w Will is a man of the town. That's what I always say. A man, man of the Chicago construction town, at least. I, I work my way around. You know, I know a few people. <laughs> <laughs> well, I uh, I said lots of awesome things about you, but it's not nearly as awesome as you are. So tell us, tell us the tale. Tell us your story. How did you kind of get into construction? And then tell us about LifeWire. Yep, yep. So, uh, you know, um, born and raised in the uh, south sub south suburbs of Chicago land area, a small town called Harvey, Illinois, and um, so you know, just kind of growing up, uh, my dad always took me on uh, little construction jobs that he had. He uh, managed some apartment buildings, so I was always painting and building and fixing on something, you know uh at his discretion not mine because you know i of course didn't have much choice in the matter so uh you know i'm in the back of the station wagon watching my friends go to the park and uh i truly believe that i got cheated out of a, out of a great basketball career i could have had painting those walls but i don't know maybe, <laughs> maybe he was right because the construction thing does seem to be working out but um yeah, I uh, got into the apprenticeship back in, actually started as a summer helper back in 1996, uh, helping a small firm, you know, kind of get off the ground. And that kind of launched me into an apprenticeship with local union 134 electricians. And at that point, it was no looking back. 
and I uh, I got into uh, the trade, and I really, you know, felt like it 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 really kept me like out of the riffraff of Chicago, and it gave me something to do with my hands, and and I think for the first time I really realized how smart I was. I was doing projects well beyond my years because I already had the know-how with tools from my dad. So, you know, I'm a third year apprentice. I'm installing, you know, switch gear in schools and um, doing uh, large apartment buildings. And, you know, so for me, it was it was something that I, I dove into and I just loved it every minute of it. And and I started kind of getting entrepreneur entrepreneurial bug, you know, early on, even before I became a journeyman, but worked at some really good companies that really supported, um, you know, young men and women, you know, who were, you know, really uh, had great skills in the trade. And I became a former very early on. And uh, before long, I got my supervisor electrician license. And now I'm ready to go and start my business. And, you know, but I, I still need a little bit more, um, you know, wherewithal to build my capabilities and skills. So I stayed in the trade. Uh, working for other folks for about mm, 11 years and uh, then launched uh, Livewire out of my basement. And before long, you know, uh, I got a real nice project out of Gary Housing Authority. And if anybody's heard about Gary, Indiana, uh, we were in uh, working on some of those um, uh, projects and uh and it was it was interesting at this point it was you know install the light and make sure you know nobody walks away with your tools right and i can tell you when we got there it was we were embraced by the community even though we still had some problems we were embraced by the community because they were happy to see someone that looked like them working in their community and for me, at that point, it was uh, it was the sign that, you know, this is something that we need in our communities. And this is something I'm, I'm proud to be a part of creating and then bringing, you know, my team with me to do it. So, uh, yeah, we we worked on that project. And I had and I had scraped and scrapped to even, you know, start the business. I borrowed money from my parents. Uh, money from my brother, uh, my my vice president, who's still with me now, Angela Drexel. I think I got like nine grand from her, and and that equated to about you know maybe you know thirty forty thousand dollars. I liquidated my pension from local Union One Thirty Four, my my four hundred one k. I liquidated it, got maybe fifty grand from that. I wrote a business plan to the bank. They gave me a few bucks. So at this point, I had about maybe a little over a hundred thousand dollars to to start the business and do our first project, and you know it was it was great. We were rocking and rolling. Get to the end of the project, general contractor goes out of business on me, and now I'm starting over from zero. So you know, oh. welcome to construction. Oh man, kicking oh. the teeth. And so now all the money that my family and friends had loaned me, you know, uh, I had to start over this time with nothing. So 
that's when I learned early on in business, it, it's especially in the construction industry, it has more to do with your relationships than anything else, right? Your the relationships are will are the are the things that will carry you beyond you know one project and beyond the problems you may have in your organization and beyond just getting you know um you know becoming successful that is the that is the foundation of becoming successful in construction is is the relationships and and mastering those relationships um even the tough ones i would say especially the tough ones uh because uh, that relationship uh that i that that i had just coming out of the gate with uh kr miller construction it was a project that i think it was like 90 grand or something like that and i could afford to do the project but then a, a two hundred thousand dollar change order came up on the project and i couldn't afford to do the change order and uh so i kind of went to him hat in hand like hey i can't do this and um so he agreed to, uh, you know, uh, help me uh, do it. But however, it was going to, he was going to tax me for, uh, you know, the the support he was going to give me. And I, you know, that was fair. But me being the man that I am, I said, you know what, I'll figure it out on my own. I don't want the tax and uh, I'll, I'll figure it out. And he respected that. And he still gave me the job and I still did that change order. And when I finished with that $200,000 change order, he paid me out. He didn't wait to get paid. He paid me out right away. So that's the type of relationships that um, we need as contractors in this, in this industry, folks that will understand, Hey, I'm willing to work hard for what I get, but along the way, we all might need a little help here and there. So after that, it was just schools and hospitals and universities. And um, now we have uh, graduated to much, much larger projects. And we have also adopted a, uh, a solar and renewables uh, division, uh, which we just recently ran, uh, won an award for as well uh, with, the, uh, with the ICC. So that's awesome. Yeah. That's well, amazing. Tell, tell us about that side. What, what about the renewable side? That's this is all new news to me and Will. So give it to us. So we, um, uh, I want to say twenty five years ago, five years ago, twenty eighteen, um, the legislation came out, and I can be you know off on my my dates, but Fiji came out, and Fiji uh, was the uh, the 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 feds they looked at the renewable sector and said they're going to put some infrastructure money behind you know renewables uh to help kind of clean up the 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 climate right and so we actually sent my vice president to that that meeting in DC and ever since then we've been chasing the 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 solar bug we've had you know trainings here in our office um for the community on solar we partnered with uh, another uh, organization called Millennium Solar, who were helping returning citizens uh, learn about solar and try to get into that industry. And as a result of that, um, now we have 
I want to say dozens of, you know, uh, people that have come out every year with training in solar. And now six years, five years later, I'm seeing people that have taken that class and they tell me, Hey, I trained at your office. And that's a great feeling that they, you know, they're in this industry now. And some of them I'm even looking to go back and hire, you know, to work at Livewire. So we launched this uh, renewables division to focus primarily on solar and electric vehicles at, uh, right now. Uh, there's a lot more technology coming down the pipeline that we want to be a part of, but this is kind of where we're starting at. And Livewire is, for the state of Illinois, there's a, a program with the Illinois Power Agency called Equity Eligible Contractor. So we are considered a EEC contractor uh, for the for the state, which means we are we have our own uh, rec block, and that's uh, renewable energy credits. So we can submit projects into uh, the IPA, and you know take those projects and execute them. And now this is a form of uh, you know the energy sector giving back and including the minority community uh, so that, you know, historically us being, a you know, uh, not included in it because it's been mostly the utility market where our small businesses typically don't have an opportunity to build their brands and, and thrive. This actually brings it, brings it back home full circle so that we're able to participate in the energy sector and especially in, in renewables. So <clears throat> we're, we've already completed our uh, third project, fourth project uh, for solar. It's a multi-megawatt project. It was um, three, three megawatt projects down in Streeter, Illinois. Uh, so that project, I want to say we put 105,000 volts back on the system, right? Mm. So that is a, a significant amount of power. It took up, I want to say, maybe five or six acres of, of property. It was about oh. 16,000 solar panels that we installed. And uh, yeah, we're uh, very excited about it. We have a ton of backlog uh, of solar up and down the state. It's truly going to change our business model significantly. I would say at least 50% of our business is going to go towards uh, renewables with solar and electric vehicles and 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 power storage. So just you know, uh, when when you think about you know technology and and where things are going, that this industry, quite frankly, wouldn't even exist without technology, right? So because technology has has made it more feasible feasible to to have power be harnessed from the sun now that just gave a whole new you know industry and new market for people to build a business on and and make money from and and take care of their families and communities so we're just you know want to stay on the cutting edge of that and continue to do what we do well and hire great people to continue to you know build our brand and and do great work I have so many questions. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's good because this is a podcast, so that'll be good. Okay. 
the uh the credits how did you find out how did you learn about and how do you stay on top of like legislation because that's kind of what helped spark this correct absolutely absolutely uh so cj <clears throat> uh is and I, and I can't take a lot of the credit for that you know i have an outstanding team that um stays on top of we'll, we'll discuss as a team you know the things that we want to chase and what's going to be beneficial to the company and ever since we went to fiji uh, my uh, vice president angela drexel she has stayed connected you know with this initiative and she she got involved with cja and and learned everything about cja and the justice 40 act and and you have to, you know, pick someone in the company to, you know, stay connected to this 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 legislative piece, so that we're able to kind of keep our finger on the pulse of it. And when it's time for us to strike, you know, we're we're ready. So we've been we've been preparing for this for about five years now. That's a long time to to prepare for something like when we talk about, you know jobs and whatnot just preparation that's very long-term planning uh good for you in in terms of having that vision to look look that far out um definitely says a lot about the scale within your business in sort of the short-term pain versus long-term gain you're definitely seeing that so kudos to you um so we talked a little bit about in a pre-interview everyone has a boss even when you go out on your own uh so since you don't you know you don't have a boss per se but you do you want to talk a little bit about that who are your sort of bosses if you will my my customers are the boss right um i mean uh we we have to provide a great service and if we're not our customers will let us know uh, my partners uh, maintaining these relationships, right? Uh, the relationships are the boss, right? Uh, my and in in fashion, you know, I want to make sure that my team is happy here at the company so that they can stay and help me execute this vision, you know. So in terms, some days they're the boss, right? I might sign the check, but you know, I want to make sure that I'm keeping them happy as well, right? So maintaining great relationships is what is most important. And, and the word boss, you know, I, I really don't always like for people to call me boss because if you uh, turn the letters around and, and read it in reverse, it's double S-O-B. And <laughs> I don't like that. So um, if, I, if, you, if you call me boss, put the man on the end or something. Don't just call me boss. Call me boss man or boss Sean or something like that but I don't even like the word boss I prefer leader um because people uh respond much better to leadership than being bossed around so um at least that's definitely the way my people respond and that's how I like for them to respond um I I, I try to give leadership I don't micromanage my people I hire good people and you let them do their job is that is that part of the uh, culture that you've kind of facilitated and, and into that, then what is, you know, being a boss compared to a leader? I certainly understand the difference there. No question about it. 
but does um I, I guess uh sometimes you have to carry a big stick it can't always all be carrots you know as they say you know, mm-hmm. to, with the horse mm-hmm. to the carrot or the stick so sometimes you have to be a little bit more stern uh do you find that that's a role you portray or is that somebody else in the company that is the uh the big stick holder <laughs> so um it's it's funny too because you develop you develop how in people how to treat you right Mm -hmm. so i don't necessarily always have to um carry the stick right you know you know it's it's someone that has come with maturity right i i know my position in the company right i know my experience and i shouldn't have to you know use the stick right now granted some folks need a stick you know because it will help them kind of see the light um but i i i much more prefer prefer the the carrot method sure. and although angela is not my uh she's not a, a a per se owner in the company but she is seen as just as much of a a a, a boss if you will leader as i am so i can tell you sometimes the the employees might get a little nervous around me but I can tell you some of them in the past have been flat out scared of Angela. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And, and it's not because she like, you know, is walking around, you know, cussing people out or anything like that. You know, she just can deliver a heartfelt uh, scrutinizing uh, feedback to that employee that will definitely make them think twice about, you know, um, behavior that is not uh, consistent with the company values. Put it like Got that. Got it. Yeah, no, I hear that. She's much better at it than I am. Uh, I, I have a, a short and quicker approach to to things. Hey, everybody. Justin here. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. As you know, Will and I are business nerds and love talking to leaders who've scaled their businesses using people, process, and technology. If that's something that gets you all jazzed up too, then do me a favor and hit the subscribe button. Don't forget to hit the little bell so you get notified every time we drop a sweet new episode. And if you know somebody who'd be an awesome guest on the show, send them our way. Just go to buildingscale.net slash guest. Now, back to the episode. Uh, when you So obviously hiring great people, that's always, it's always part of the the philosophy of, you know, how, how do you get a business to scale people process technology? You got to get great people. Hiring great people is a big component to that. So, um, you know, how, what, what's your, what's the philosophy on hiring people? What, how do you, how do you get great people? Obviously everybody says there is a massive shortage uh, of, of people out there. So how, how do you find great people to uh, one, follow your vision of, of you talk about the five-year solar thought here that's coming to fruition now. Like that's mm-hmm. that's a that's a big deal. So it's like you got to get great people that are also in belief of, of what you believe. Well, it's I can tell you if I if I knew exactly what the answer was to that, <laughs> we would be a uh, hundred million dollar company, right? Um, I can tell you that the folks that we have hired. Um, and that have come through the company, you know, some of them, it was, it was the, it was the right time to have them. And some of them, 
you know, it just wasn't a great fit because they may come from larger businesses where, you know, they're used to having, you know, additional support here at a small business. You wind up doing, you know, typically more than your fair share some days, right? Mm -hmm. um, and typically that's why, you know, the larger companies like to hire from smaller companies because they, I believe, you know, we have harder workers that are, you know, that, that know more, can, 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 yeah. you know, do more. Um, but I don't have the recipe for that. Honestly, I have been blessed to, to have the team that I have right now that has, you know, stuck with me through the ups and the downs and in construction, the downs can be extremely ugly. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but they're all fighters though as well. They actually all have a little bit of that live wire spirit that I have. Um, and as, as the leader, right, I try to invoke the spirit of, you know, being a fighter and, and every day we will win. Uh, we just need to make the choice that we are winners and that we will do so. And I think the, the, that spirit, uh, that I bring in my leadership, I think people look forward to that. I think people, it makes it easier for the team to show up knowing that I haven't given up. Right. And that we have great things ahead of us, right? That that the inspiration that the the leader provides, I think is very, very important to the company and for people to want to stay. Because if they don't see something that they can latch on to that's going to be great for them in the end and they want to grow with and be a part of, then they'll I think they'll they'll leave. But I think if you you know, inspire your team in a meaningful way and, you know, fairly hold them accountable so that they can, you know, get to their greatness and, and support them through that. I think now you're building the right team and, you know, my people also help looking, they also help look for team members to work with us. So if you can, you know, make the entire company champions of, attracting similar talent i think that's definitely the best way to go um and finally I, I i recently because we have a ton of job openings here right uh i have a probably about a dozen spots i need to fill we recently just hired an hr manager to do more of that in interviewing and and talent uh acquisition because i can tell you that is a full-time job right now here in, in our area. Well, that makes sense. Obviously hiring the resources necessary. Yeah. Uh, you'd mentioned the fighter spirit, the live wire spirit. How do you, how do you, uh, how do you plug that energy into them? How, how does that happen? Is, you know, you get somebody new that comes in that generally they have a lot of energy um, because, you know, new job, you're really trying to make a name for themselves. How do you continuously do that? You've had a lot of people with you a long time. How do you how do you keep the the electricity going? I'm really trying to do the puns here. I'm, I'm really keep the, trying keep to the spark play. going. Keep the spark yeah, exactly. alive. Keep the spark alive. Say, yes. Um, <clears throat> you know, I it's definitely something. I mean, I don't fake it. I uh, it's just kind of my personality, right? Um, I'm kind of high energy. Right. I love to laugh and I love to make people laugh. And I, I like my employees to be happy. 
And um, and typically happy employees are more hardworking employees, right? Um, so and 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 in their own right, they make me laugh too, because they're actually, you know, quite the bundle of characters that we have here, all with their own individual personalities that make uh them special. They make this company, you know, quite the the place to work at and uh and entertaining. I can definitely say we 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 do a lot together as far as outings. We have uh once a month we do fun Fridays where you know the the everyone from the office and the field comes out, you know, we'll go, you know, grab tacos and margarita margaritas down at Lalo's or we'll throw bags in the warehouse. You know, we'll do something together to keep that camaraderie up and uh to to get more laughs in the tank. Uh, because when we do have our hard days and uh, stressful days, we need to have the tank full of some good times so that we keep showing up. You know, uh, as you were talking about this, um, <clears throat> where, you know, you're kind of connecting to people, the camaraderie and, and whatnot. Did that evolve over time? Or did you think about that early on? Because you were pretty fast growth, right? Uh, yeah. <clears throat> were these things that you thought about back then when you first started uh, and you had a few people underneath you or was it something that developed over time? Something that developed over time. Um, you know, unfortunately, I, I didn't have a, a mentor. I had some folks that, you know, uh, that were definitely willing to help uh, this, you know, small black business on the South in the Southland, you know, be, uh, become, you know, more successful. And, but I didn't really have a mentor that I could latch on to, uh, per se, to kind of give me some of the intangibles, uh, that I didn't have, right. Those, those, you know, those conversations about, you know, how to keep your employees happy and, and how to, um, you know, build better relationships, those those things, you know, uh, I had to develop and and read and learn lessons from, you know, the folks, the good folks that didn't stay, that did wind up leaving. Um, <clears throat> so, as a, you know, that's and that's where they talk about working on the business versus working in the business. You know, um, you know, I, I like to hear when my employees complain. Right. Or they have a complaint per se, uh, because that's the equivalent to a mechanic. I consider myself a mechanic in the business. Right. On the business. I work on the car. Right. I'm not in the car trying to work on it. You have to work on the car. You have to be on the outside of it looking in. And so, you know, that complaining to me or those complaints are are just that's a knocking under the hood. Right. That's something that's a loose belt. Right. That's, uh, you know, something that I need to open up the hood and kind of get in there and see what's going on, you know, tighten this up, tighten that up and uh, and, and try to keep it running as best I can. And uh, that's that's the analogy that I that I like to see in my mind that I want to have this business running as, you know, as best as possible. I, I want it to be a that new C8 Corvette, you know. Uh, Z06, you know, 
I, I, I want it running top notch and fast. So I think I kind of lost your question, which you asked me earlier, but no, you, you know, you, you, you answered it um, kind of on that same line of, you know, growing sort of fast early. What did you learn from really, I think you put in your own, your words to us were that you grew too fast early. Can yeah. you talk to us a little bit about what, what growing too fast actually means? I would say because the construction industry is so heavily um, um, rooted in relationships, and I, and I can't, you know, just say that enough. And having experienced uh, team members, because you know the labor is very expensive, right? And if you don't have a solid uh, group of team members in the office and in the field is is going to be a challenge for you for you to grow successfully. You can grow, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're growing in the right direction. Um we we grew so fast. We we're at some, at one point we we're like doubling in revenue every year, right? And and that was me, you know, I was estimating everything. I was, you know, project managing, you know, most of the jobs, Angela was helping me. She was doing the financials, you know, we we're both working in the business, growing fast. And we weren't able to kind of see everything that was happening because we were, we had our individual responsibilities to take care of. So the, the times where things didn't connect or the left hand may not know what the right one's doing. Right. Um, or or we we're not paying attention that you know someone else didn't really get on board properly to you know be a leader or a supervisor in the company and and now we just hired someone that just kind of unintentionally set us up for failure and is it their fault or is it our fault right so we have to in construction you have to vet your people give them great information information and then, you know, you don't just let them go. You have to, you know, stay connected with them that they're doing a, they're doing what needs to be done, right? And I always tell them the customer doesn't get what they want. They get what they pay for. Um, and in construction, we have some of the, you know, nicest people because they will give away work sometimes unintentionally uh, because they're trying to help you keep that customer happy, right? They're trying to be a good steward on the job and they're 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 trying to make sure that they keep harmony. Unfortunately, sometimes on construction projects, it can be a little you know contentious, you know, with the with the relationships and with the general contractor or with the trades or in between trades. Um, so it's really making sure we stay focused on our goals, we stay connected to watching. And managing our money properly, having a, a not growing too fast without having a strong support um, in your back office, right? Um, we 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 identify that you know our accounting team that's a la that's a lagging indi indicator that something is wrong or something's going great, right? So you want to move those indicators up front versus 
waiting for accounting to tell you, hey, we're losing money on this job. Well, we should have already known that at the beginning of the job that we were having some challenges, right? And why are we having challenges? And if you're not managing your uh, your 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 team or your scope or the contract that you have with the general contractor and you're not paying attention, quite frankly, you could have walked away from money that you could have billed for because it may have been an additional uh, something out of our scope that we could have billed for, right? So, you know, continuing to hold each other accountable and having a team that can hold each other accountable for the the work that we have on our plates individually is is of the utmost importance as well. Um, and I can tell you, I, I grew so fast, we got ourselves into like a $2 million hole on a balance sheet. It was it was something that we thought we would probably never walk back, walk, walk, <clears throat> be able to continue forward from. It was so devastating. And we had to reel ourselves in. We had to change how we did business. We had to change how we manage our customers. We had to fire some customers. They might have been, you know, great partners and, and great friends. But when it came to doing business, you know, it was difficult for us to be successful. And you have to find relationships that work for you and folks that are not just, you know, willing to have you on their projects because you're the low number. You want to work with people that want to see you be successful. And um, and then all projects aren't for us. And so we had to, you know, realize what's a good project for us. And and we worked and we worked our ass off, you know, to get back into the black. And I'm happy to say that not only did we, you know, work our way back into the black, we got our bonding back and all that. And and now we're we're one of the, you know, premier contractors here in Chicago. And I would say not just, you know, black owned contractors, but one of the premier contractors here in Chicago land area. That's well, uh, like the old adage, right? Not all money's good money. You know, you like, hey, right. this, this, this project doesn't work. This client doesn't work. There's, I mean, there's always uh, more to the story than, you know, the brass tacks of dollars. Uh, so that's always a hard lesson to learn. I feel like for everybody. So that's um it's hard when the money's in front of you. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like, I wouldn't do this again. And then they're like, but I have this money. And then you're like, well, I do enjoy money. So there's something. There. Bought lessons. They're called bought lessons. <clears throat> I, I, I heard it. I heard it a little differently. Uh, if you're in lying in bed thinking about uh, someone, uh, you better be uh -oh. sleeping with them. Because uh, if you're not, it ain't worth it. Yeah. <laughs> that too. Yeah, yeah, I, I can tell you those bought lessons are um, one of the reasons why uh, I banded with uh, some other contractors, uh, and they were electrical contractors in the in the industry, to uh, start Beco, uh, because those mentors in our community really didn't exist, and so uh, a bunch of us, you know, subcontractors banded together and said, hey. I don't know what we're going to talk about, but let's talk about something and, and start getting together. And um, we did. And 
we uh, met, I want to say probably about a year and a half monthly and just, you know, first it started, first it started with, you know, complaining and cocktails. That's what we called <laughs> it. <laughs> and, um, <clears throat> and then we, we identify all the things that were broken with the, with the industry and, and, and the difficulties of trying to grow a business especially if you're a minority contractor uh, and then to double down a black owned contractor. So we said, okay, let's, you know, we have a lot of ideas here about, you know, what we can do and fix and change. Uh, let's, let's make it official and, 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 and make it an organization that is looking for change and, and has real ideas about change because we're in it. Right. Kind of, FUBU, right? For us, by us. And <clears throat> that was the mentality that we had to say, hey, let's share best practices. What are you guys doing well? What are we doing well? And and let's share those. And how do we stay out of harm's way? Well, <clears throat> you know, here's what's happening on a project that I'm working on. Here's what's happening on a project I'm working on. Here's who I'm working for. And it didn't go well. So let's make sure we look for you know, this type of language in our contract so that we don't get, you know, in harm's way. So, you know, we've learned from each other. You know, we've become our, our own mentorship to yeah. one another. So, and that has turned into an organization that we opened up to the rest of the trades, carpenters, laborers, <clears throat> excuse me, um, other uh predominantly black owned businesses that are looking for an organization to help them grow that will give them the truth about what's going on in the industry and how to keep themselves safe and strong and continue to be successful as they grow. And, you know, that's just kind of what, you know, we always wanted was an organization that could do that for us. And, and Bico now black contractors, owners, and executives has become that that company and that organization, I should say, for others. So just happy that we can give back and and give folks the things that we didn't have when we were coming along. That seems like a big theme for you, Sean. Giving back, taking care of others, obviously being caring about our community, even the solar aspect, you know, that there's it's just there's care. It's a lot of care in what you do. Uh Obviously, having a starting with complaints and cocktails, and then moving mm -hmm. into an, an actual organization that that uh, helps others. You know, obviously, you've seen the evolution so far. Where do you see Bico going uh, as as things move forward? Like, as let's say five years from now, or ten years from now, what does it look like? You know, I I want the organization to continue to grow to become. Um, an organization of difference that we've continued to make a difference and not just on our local scale here in Chicagoland area, but throughout the state and maybe even throughout the nation, you know, it is, um, you know, it, it's one thing to have meetings and have events, but are we creating or help supporting and helping to assist with companies becoming multi-million dollar companies and profitable and successful. That's what I want to see. 
You know, for me, is it's not about the the numbers of you know events that we have and how much money the organization has brought in, and 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 to that fact, none of us you know receive any uh, stipends or anything like that from the organization. It's it's all pushed to the organization to to help others. So for me, it is giving us and our community a, a a place to go for help and support that will open doors and not just, you know, construction projects here in our community, but I want to say throughout the entire state, throughout the entire nation, we should be working for Microsoft, right? We should be working for Amazon. We should be working at, at, at wherever we want, and especially in these larger organizations and especially corporate organizations where we typically are not invited to, uh, we are typically invited to uh, the public projects and not knocking any public projects, but it could be, you know, difficult to get paid sometimes, right? But however, that's the, the door that has been open for us. So we need to make sure that uh, other doors are continuing to open for us as well regardless if it's a public project or a private project. So for me, it's it's about moving that needle uh, throughout throughout not just Chicagoland area, but throughout the the state and the and the nation. That kind of goes um in line with the uh, relationships, the importance of relationships, right? I mean, it's certainly as you grow outside of the area you're at, right? There's people that have more sway and say in different areas of Illinois, different, obviously different areas of the country. Um, you know, how to, how, how do you build your business as in Livewire? And then also, you know, build out uh, Bico to, to be something that's uh, a lot larger than it currently is. How, how do you balance that? You know, <clears throat> that has been uh, difficult. I would say definitely Livewire probably took a hit mm -hmm. with growing uh, in the industry um, because I my attention was divided. Um, but I definitely believe that that sacrifice that I made to, to give has also provided me with a platform to um, be recognized that, you know, we do give back and that we are uh, a steward of our community and that, you know, we believe in helping others. And I just kind of believe that, you know, hey, <clears throat> I was in a bad, I was in a bad spot at, at one point in, in, in our business. And that was still during the time that you know, Biko was, you know, just coming on. And here I am, I'm still giving back. I'm still helping start up another organization to help other people. And I was like, I need help. So for me, I, I just kind of believe in the karma of it. You know, I believe we will, we are where we are now because I chose to sacrifice. My team has chose to sacrifice. And as a result of it, you know, now we have, you know, the the success that we've been kind of waiting on. Um and I'm 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 glad we did it. I'm glad I took that made that sacrifice 
because what is it to 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 for me to become successful and then I look around and I have no one that looks like me standing next to me you know that's not the kind of success that I I started this organization my company to have um you know for me it was always to prove something that you know uh, me and well as my people can do this work just as well as anybody else. And if I have an opportunity to help my brothers and sisters with their businesses and have them standing next to me, shoulder to shoulder, for me, that's that's what I want to see. That's what gives me goosebumps. That's what makes me it all worth it for me. Because the money, you don't take it with you, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you leave it to someone. And I would like to leave a legacy and a statement that we made a difference. Livewire made a difference. Sean Harris made a difference. It's powerful. Impact. It's super powerful. So, um, well, this last part I want to talk about um, because there was some vulnerability there uh, as well, but I think it's important to talk about because just because it's not being talked about publicly does not mean that it is not an issue. Um, we talked about technology being super important uh, and and you talked about old, uh, in our pre-interview process, old school versus new school sort of methodology. And then you also talked about, uh, I'd asked you, is cybersecurity necessary? Is it something worth investing? Um, can you talk about of your answer to that and why why you believe that well i i guess i i kind of came up uh i was blessed to kind of come up in an era where technology was just starting to come along and i'd always been connected with you know technology i i started a career in computer science um <clears throat> but i i was led to the trade instead so I never finished that uh, that degree, but I stayed interested in it. And being an electrician, you know, for me, that's that's technology, you know, uh, you know, uh, harnessing the you know energy and converting it for our use is uh, is near and dear to my heart because that's just kind of what we do as electricians, right? So for me, um, I've I've always been interested in, you know, how do we make things better? I have a, uh, I did one of those strength finder things, right? Uh, and part of my personality is a maximizer. So uh, good can always be great and great could always be, you know, excellent. So yes, we can do this on paper, but it would be great if we did it, you know, on a screen, right? And now I would say the majority of my employees could type faster than they can write, you know, legibly. So uh, myself included, I uh, I believe that technology is is foundation. It's it's for for LiveWire and BlackRock. Um, so I failed to mention earlier. I have another company called BlackRock Construction, who was birthed out of LiveWire. Um, and that is a, a heavy concrete and uh, general contracting firm. Um, but with both companies, you know, we stay connected through our technology, right? 
it is something that, in my opinion, has become a necessary tool. If if you're still working on pen and paper, um, you're putting yourself behind every single day, every single day. Um, with the tools that we even use in the field, that comes from technology, right? About how to make us more efficient of uh, the equipment. It's about how to make us more efficient and quite frankly, and safe. That all spawns from technology, right? And now the software, because we, we, we limit ourselves when we say technology is just the software because it's not, it's more than the software, right? Now the software has led to these tools in the field that can be utilized for safe and for safety and for for efficiency about how to get the work done right uh i mean the the bim we all know bim that was created the building information modeling that was created to help reduce the amount of you know impacts that we would run into while building the project and now that has just turned into the the status quo for how you build and this marketplace and through, quite frankly throughout the world uh i mean from the time we put one you know uh blueprint into our software uh to estimate it all the way to you know when it gets to bim and my guys are looking at it on a job to execute the work or they're doing prefab or we're doing uh building modules in a warehouse it is something that we are connected to throughout the entire process. I can't imagine, you know, uh, having this business and not being so connected, you know, with with technology. Um, I've had employees that have, you know, uh, come in and they're used to working on paper and I give them, you know, two, maybe um, 30 days, you know, at the most really to kind of before they start are being they're being forced to work on our technology and i can tell you by the time if they if they're if they're not here anymore they they wind up getting that technology for their own personal use to keep estimating on right i've i've had estimators come through and say ah i don't know about plant swift oh it takes me longer but by the time they you know get uh, adapted to it it's like they can't believe that they weren't using this all along right and we have two estimating softwares as well you know it's uh Conest and AccuBid uh I mean we use Bluebeam and Foundation for our you know financials and the Microsoft 365 I mean <clears throat> we run everything off of our SharePoint now we don't we're pretty much getting rid of our server because SharePoint is taking over. Uh, everybody's using OneDrive, you know, and it's the change. I get it. You know, when we have to change from doing things the way that we've always done it, there's a, you know, it becomes uncomfortable because now we're slower. You know, I know this work and you asked me to do something and now I'm going to be slower than what I normally do. But we just, as leaders, have to continue to push for that because we know in the end it will benefit, you know, us as a whole. 
And they may not see it from their personal perspective, but it benefits the entire company. It benefits the entire, quite frankly, industry as we, as we all become more, you know, technologically advanced, right? Um, so I, I just can't imagine, you know, going through this uh, industry without the technology improving year after year. So you're looking at technology as an investment. And even if you don't see, even if the individual is essentially complaining about that it's making them slower, your belief is that's a short-term essentially issue that once they get used to it, once they get used to the change, that will no longer be the issue. And they can continue working essentially after that change. It becomes the new norm. Would that be fair to say? 100% accurate. Okay. It's a temporary, it's just, it's temporary, you know, and I've had um, team members that came on board from, you know, 18 to, you know, their, their early seventies to say, Hey, you know, um, I think I like this, you know, um, they may not have said that up at first, but eventually, you know, they have all come along and, and even the guys in the field that, may not be, you know, uh, as they say, tech savvy, you know, when it, when it comes to putting in their time, they figure out a way to make that technology work so they can get paid. I can tell you that no problems, <laughs> no problems. <laughs> expertise, uh, expertise, uh, happens when, yeah. uh, a little pressure is applied. <laughs> See, that's the carrot though. That's not the stick. That's the carrot. You know, I, uh, you know how I get my, my attendance for my safety meetings. I have all my guys on the field come in a day early to pick up their checks. So oh. get your check a day early from coming to the safety meeting, right? You don't have to wait that extra day. So that's the carrot is always going to be better to, to bring people along than that stick, you know? Um, so I encourage my team to continue using the technology because it's benefiting them and it's benefiting us. We actually track our quantities of materials installed, right? So that way we can cross-reference that against what we've ordered to make sure that, you know, we have everything that we, um, uh, paid for and everything when it comes time for billing, we can say, Hey, We've installed this much. My billing is correct. So now that's that's supported in that fashion as well. So it's it's so many ways that the technology, you know, can help us. And we have to just continue to, to embrace it and not look at it as we're being burdened. Right. Because I can tell you, I have had. Uh, you know, claims of over a million dollars that we were successful on, you know, well, we didn't get the million bucks, but we had to settle, but I can tell you my claim was supported, you know, heavily by technology, right? By my guys in the field, you know, being, being conscientious, conscientious and smart enough to make sure that they were doing their daily reports. And that was logged into a system that we use for our productivity reports to demonstrate, hey, 
if my guys are not impacted and they are executing their work at this rate, that is the standard for this project. And that's what we estimated it at. And if we are impacted on that project and, you know, down the line and we can demonstrate, hey, we are slower at doing our work here compared to there, that measured mile is called is what it's called. Now we have a, a basis for a claim because now we're being impacted unfairly, right? So there's there's so many different ways that we use the technology to quite frankly make sure that you know our estimates are even you know better. If we see that hey when we do block walls and we're installing electrical and block walls, we we tend to not be as fast. We can adjust that on our, on our estimating before that project goes out. And in order to be competitive, we might have to, you know, uh, identify other areas on the project that we might have to become leaner. So it's, but if you don't track anything, if you don't have any tools, if you just leave it all to, you know, uh, that one foreman and his skills, if he can, you know, drive the manpower good, good enough or not, you know, and sometimes it's even out of his hands because the schedule could have issues and compaction and so many different things on the project that could just not go in his favor. Now you're not even, you're not even giving him the support that he needs to make sure that, you know, he can make sure that that project is successful for you. So I think we handicap ourselves when we don't, you know, support our team uh, properly. And that's where technology comes in. It makes sure that that support is documented and logged and in a place where we can all be eyes wide open about, you know, what's happening on the project. So, you know, these are great insights on kind of the positives of technology. There's also a negative in technology, which is where the whole cybersecurity, cyber liability insurance and all that came in. And um, there's definitely a large group of people in the industry that don't essentially believe in cybersecurity. Um, and partially, be, and their sort of answer or reply is, well, my people can continue sort of pouring concrete, uh, hammering away, doing the jobs, right? Um, because, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't affect them. But you said, uh, when we asked in pre-interview that cybersecurity is necessary. Can you talk a little bit about that? You know, why do you see it opposite to them? And I think my answer to that was, it's like insurance, right? I mean, we all have to, you know, get up and show up and, and go to work and, and our employees, they, they're out on the job and, and they're working and, Yes, but we also have insurance to make sure in case something happens, they are taken care of, that we're taken care of. And I see cybersecurity as being that insurance that allows us to be able to continue to move, uh, you know, quickly throughout how we do business, right? If we're not and if we're not installing any sort of cybersecurity prevention, what have you, on our software and 
and and making sure that we can continue to execute our work uh, in a in a streamlined way without any hiccups or getting handcuffed because now someone just came and shut down our network and holding it for ransom or you know anything crazy, right? Then shame on us because we kind of you didn't pay your insurance. I mean, we all drive cars and we spend a lot of money on them and we, you know, you know, make them look great. But then what is it to drive that, have an accident and all of that go, that money go down the drain and you can't get anything repaired because you didn't pay your insurance. So for me, it's just paying insurance for something that has made me more efficient, my team more safe, um, us, and allowed us to just become a better business and I won't pay insurance for that, I think that's quite short-sighted. Uh, but, and you know, I will say they, you know, just like with any insurance, we have to make sure that the rates are, you know, in alignment and we're not being taken advantage of and and all that. But I think um, it's it's the cost of doing good business, not just the cost of doing business, but the cost of doing good business. So it's kind of like safety then. Uh, it doesn't make you any more money, uh, but everyone has to practice uh, safety training. Everyone has to be aware of it, uh, et cetera. So this is really digital safety and having to protect your investments instead of the physical physical safety side. It's digital, digital safety side. It's a good way, it's a good way of uh, talking about it. So thank you for that. Um, yeah. Justin, I think it's time for our last question. Um, do you want to, do you want to, you want to take us away? For sure. We like uh, to ask this question every episode. Uh, so, uh, Sean, if you could go back 20 years, what would advice would you give yourself? What would you tell yourself? 20 years. Okay. Mm -hmm. 20 minutes. Okay. So I was already in the industry. I, I was, I was hoping you're going to add another 10 years to that. <laughs> yeah. So I could have went ahead and finished uh, uh, working on my basketball career. So I could have right. retired by now. Um, 20 years. Um, I would definitely, um, I would invest more in my, my, my personal education. Um, you know, from a uh, finance perspective, from a business perspective, invest more in my personal uh education so that I could be more of a benefit to the company in those formative years. Right. Um, yeah. You know, investing in myself in, in multiple ways for me, I believe we would have been able to, I would have been able to be a better leader sooner so that I could have a more uh, successful company and, and 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 the folks around me be even more successful you know i have no regrets you know i'm a i'm a tradesman by heart and um you know i and i and livewire is here because of this tradesman that you know went through that summer helper program and that apprenticeship program and you know uh learned to be a a, a foreman and a project manager and a general foreman and and then a business owner right and multiple business owner um so 
Yeah, I think that'd be the only thing. Make me smarter and you make me better. I love that. No, no, I completely agree. Investing in self is a thing that um, I I think about frequently now. I wish I did as well 20 years ago, certainly. But uh, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, and a basketball career would be pretty sweet. Um, you know, not that I'm, I'm, I'm athletic in any way, shape or form, but it would still be really cool. I, I think, um, awesome. We're going to throw in uh, all your social stuff into the show notes. Uh, but if somebody wanted to get a hold of you, uh, to either talk about Livewire or BlackRock or Bico, uh, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Um, they can reach me at S Harris at Livewire dash construction, um, Livewire um, construction.com and here at the office 708-535-6001 awesome 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 do you have anything else to tell the people before we uh say goodbye um man uh, just go out every day and be great be a great leader and whatever it is that you do the role that you play don't be just good don't just be okay don't just show up be great be excellent maximize Awesome. Love that. Uh, all right, listeners, we had an awesome time with Sean. I hope you did as well. Uh, and it'd be great if you uh, followed, shared, and loved this episode. It would help us. It would help Livewire. It would help everybody involved. Uh, and until next time, adios. adios. Thanks for listening to Building Scale. To help us reach even more people, please share this episode with a friend, a colleague, or on social media. Remember, the three pillars of scaling a business are people, process and technology and our mission is to help the aec industry protect itself by making technology easy so if you think your company's technology pillar could use some improvement book a call with us to see how we can help maximize your it and cybersecurity strategy just go to buildingscale.net slash help and until next time keep, keep building, building scale, scale.